The Holy Gospel is written in the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 16th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. A certain man made a great supper and bad many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that they were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I've brought a piece of, of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Imagine the scene. It is one of the bigger must-go-to events of the year at the Mansion House, maybe the annual speech by the Chancellor of the Exchequer. All the invitations have been sent, but all the usual invitees make excuses and will not come. Instead, the Lord Mayor of London instructs his staff to bring to the banquet all those who are rough sleepers in London. Now, it seems to me that this scenario would be a fairly close equivalent to the story which Jesus told, set as it was in his own day and culture. Imagine what the event would be like were that scenario to happen. Would, for example, the Chancellor have felt able to deliver his message of austerity if his audience had been made up of those at the sharp end of those policies and decisions? Jesus's story as with many of his parables and messages, reverses what we normally expect to find in real life. Essentially, in the story, the great and the good exclude themselves from the kingdom of God, while those we least expect to find there are welcomed with open arms. The last become first, while the poor are blessed. And this is actually the logical implication of Jesus' incarnation. In Jesus, God 
comes to be with human beings in the challenges and stresses of our human existence. Those who view themselves as fundamentally being a-okay, usually the great and the good, don't see the need for someone to be alongside them in this way and therefore can reject Jesus, his invitation and his welcome just as occurred to him in his own day and time. Those who do acknowledge their need to have God alongside them, however, find another strange reversal occurring because rather than coming alongside to help, Jesus comes alongside to share and to learn. The incarnation is an affirmation of those in distress and difficulty. God in Jesus essentially says to us that we are valued and valuable to him, even in our distress. All too often, we exercise our power and position by seeking to help others out of their predicament as opposed to truly being with them in it and learning from their experience and perceptions. But that is what Jesus wants us to realize and to experience as a result of his stories and sayings. Sam Wells, the vicar at St. Martin in the Fields, has put it like this. Through Christ's birth, he says, God said unambiguously, I am with. Behold, my dwelling place is with you. My name is Emmanuel. God is with us. God, in becoming flesh in Jesus, has said that there will never again uh, be a for that's not based on a fundamental, unalterable, everlasting, and utterly unswerving with. And we celebrate this good news by being with people in poverty and distress, even when there's nothing we can do for them. By being with people in grief and sadness and loss, even when there's nothing to say by being with and listening to and walking with those we find most difficult, rather than trying to fob them off with a gift or a face-saving gesture. By being still with God in silent prayer, rather than rushing in our anxiety to do yet more things for God. And by taking an appraisal of all our relationships and asking ourselves, does my doing for others arise out of a fundamental commitment to be with them? Or is my doing driven by my profound desire to avoid the discomfort, the challenge, the patience, and the loss of control involved in being with others? If rough sleepers were to be invited to the mansion house and the chancellor were to genuinely spend time with them, seeking to learn from them and their experiences, then I would suggest that very different government policies would be the result. What those might be, I could not predict, but it seems to me that that is the path 
onto which we are called both by Jesus' incarnation and this parable where the king or the master comes to be with those who are in distress. And of course, we here at St. Stephen Walbrook have a wonderful example of this occurring in our own history through the founding here of the Samaritans. Samaritans do not provide their callers with information and advice and help. Instead, they simply come alongside those callers and provide a listening ear. They describe what they do like this. When you talk to us, we will give you an opportunity to talk about any thoughts or feelings you have, whatever they may be. Sometimes people need to cry or show how angry they are at life or go over their thoughts and feelings several times to make sense of them, and that's fine. We're there for as long as you need us. We won't make decisions for you, and we'll support the decisions you make. You are the expert on your own life. Our advice or opinions are not important. We won't talk about ourselves, even if you ask us to. We're there to give you time, space, and support. You don't need to ask how we are or give us time in return, and we don't impose any personal attitudes or beliefs on you. That is what it means to be with someone in distress. And by setting up Samaritans in that way, it seems to me Chad Vara made this parable of Jesus reality. And I suggest today that the call on our lives as Christians is for us to do the same. Amen.